Chapter twenty six of Sixty Years in Southern California, eighteen fifty three to nineteen thirteen, by Harris Newmark. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter twenty six The Cerro Gordo Mines, eighteen sixty nine. It was early in eighteen sixty nine that I was walking down Spring Street one day and saw a crowd at the City Hall. On a large box stood Mayor Joel H. Turner and just as i arrived a man leaning against the adobe wall called out seven dollars the mayor then announced the bid for an auction was in progress seven dollars once seven dollars twice seven dollars three times and as he raised his hand to conclude the sale i called out a half this i did in the spirit of fun in fact i did not even know what was being offered seven dollars fifty once seven dollars fifty twice seven dollars fifty three times and sold to harris newmark called the mayor i then inquired what i had bought and was shown the location of about twenty acres a part of nine hundred being sold by the city at prices ranging from five to ten dollars an acre the piece purchased was west of the city limits and i kept it until eighteen eighty six when i had almost forgotten that i was the owner then george williamson one of the first salesmen of h newmark and company who became a boomer of the period bought it from me for ten thousand dollars and resold it within two weeks for fourteen thousand the sunset oil company starting there as the land was within what was known as the oil district since the opening of streets in all directions i have lost trace of this land but inclined to the belief that it lies in the immediate vicinity of the wilshire district my experience reminds me of colonel john o wheeler's investment in fifty or sixty acres at what is now figueroa and adams streets later going to san francisco as a customs officer he forgot about his purchase until one day he received a somewhat surprising offer on january first a j king and r h offutt began to publish a daily edition of the news hitherto a semi-weekly making it strongly democratic there was no sunday issue and twelve dollars was the subscription on october sixteenth offutt sold his interest to alonzo Waite, and the firm became king and Waite. in another year king had retired how modest was the status of the post office in eighteen sixty nine may be gathered from the fact that the postmaster had only one assistant a boy both together receiving fourteen hundred dollars in greenbacks worth but a thousand dollars in gold henry hamill for years connected with the bella union and a partner named bremerman leased the united states hotel on february first from lewis mesmer and in march john king succeeded winston and king as manager of the bella union king died in december eighteen seventy one in the winter of eighteen sixty eight to sixty nine when heavy rains seriously interfered with bringing in the small supply of lumber at san pedro a cooperative society was proposed to ensure the importation each summer of enough supplies to tide the community over during the wintry weather over one hundred persons it was then estimated had abandoned building and many others were waiting for material to complete fences and repairs thanks to contractor h b titchener's vigor in constructing the los angeles and san pedro railroad public interest in the venture by the beginning of eighteen sixty nine had materially increased in january a vessel arrived with a locomotive and a steam pile driver and a few days later a schooner sailed into san pedro with ties sleepers and rails enough for three miles of the track soon also the locomotive was running part of the way the wet winter made muddy roads and this led to the proposal to lay the track some eight or ten miles in the direction of los angeles and there to transfer the freight to wagons stern's hall and the plaza were amusement places in eighteen sixty nine at the latter in january the so-called paris exposition circus held forth while joe murphy and maggie moore who had just favored the passengers on the orizaba 
on coming south from san francisco with a show trod the hall's more classic boards ice a quarter of an inch thick was formed here for several days during the third week in january and butchers found it so difficult to secure fat cattle that good beef advanced to six and a quarter cents a pound on january twentieth i purchased from eugene meyer the southern half of lots three and four in block five fronting on fort street between second and third formerly owned by william buffum and j f burns meyer had paid one thousand dollars for one hundred and twenty feet front and three hundred and thirty feet depth and when i bought half of this piece for one thousand dollars it was generally admitted that i had paid all that it was worth isaac lankershim father of j b lankershim and mrs i n van wise who first visited california in eighteen fifty four came from san francisco in eighteen sixty nine and bought for one hundred fifteen thousand dollars part of andres pico's san fernando rancho which he stocked with sheep levi strauss and company shoal brothers l and m sachs and company of san francisco and others were interested in this partnership then known as the san fernando farm association but lankershim was in control until about one year later when isaac newton van wise arrived from monticello where he had been merchandising and was put permanently in charge of the ranch at this period lankershim lived there for he had not yet undertaken milling in los angeles a little later lankershim and van wise successfully engaged in the raising of wheat cultivating nearly sixty thousand acres and consigning some of their harvests to liverpool this fact recalls a heavy loss in the spring of eighteen eighty one when the parisian which left wilmington under captain reume founded at sea with nearly two hundred and fifty tons of wheat and about seventy-five tons of flour belonging to them j b lankershim owner of the well-known hotel bearing his name after the death of his father made some very important investments in los angeles real estate including the northwest corner of broadway and seventh street now occupied by the building devoted to bullock's department store m n newmark a nephew of mine and president of the newmark grain company arrived in eighteen sixty nine and clerked for h newmark and company until eighteen seventy one in which year he established a partnership with s grand in compton selling general merchandise this partnership lasted until eighteen seventy eight when newmark bought out grand he finally disposed of the business in eighteen eighty nine and with d k edwards organized the firm of newmark and edwards in eighteen ninety five edwards sold out his interest Victor Ponet, a native of Belgium and once Belgian consul here, while traveling around the world, landed in California in 1867, and two years later came to Los Angeles. Attracted by the climate and Southern California's possible future, Ponet settled here, engaging first in the pioneer manufacture and importation of mirrors and picture frames, and before his retirement to live in Sherman, he had had experience both as undertaker and banker. Footnote. Died February 9th, 1914. End footnote. In 1869, General W.S. Rosencrantz came south in the interest of the proposed San Diego and Gila Railroad, never constructed. The general, as a result, took up land around Sausul Redondo, and there, by the summer of 1869, so many people, who insisted that Rosencrantz had appropriated public land, had squatted, that he was put to no end of trouble in ejecting them. Though I have witnessed most of the progress in Southern California, it is still difficult to realize that so much could have been accomplished within the lifetime of one man. During 1868-69, to 69, only 2,200 boxes of oranges were shipped from Los Angeles, while the Southern County's crop of oranges and lemons for 1913-14 is estimated, I am told, at about 12 million boxes. Due to the eight-day shindy marking the celebration of the Chinese New Year, Demand for a more concentrated rumpus was voiced in February 1869, 
threatening an agitation against john chinaman the same month residents wishing a school in which german should be taught and a gymnasium petitioned the common council to acquire a lot in new high street for the purpose about eighteen sixty nine the los angeles social club which to the best of my recollection was the first of its kind in the city was organized with headquarters in the earliest building erected by i w hellman at the northwest corner of los angeles and commercial streets among other pioneer members were captain cameron e tom tom mott eugene meyer sam and charles prager tom rowan i w and h w hellman s lazard w j broderick john jones caspar cohn a c chauvin m and j l morris leon loeb sam meyer dr f a mcdougall b cohn and myself somewhat later the club moved to the east side of los angeles street between commercial and aliso still later it dissolved and although it did not become the direct ancestor of any of the several well-known social organizations in the los angeles of today i feel that it should be mentioned as having had the honor of being their precursor and model speaking of social organizations i may say that several los angeles clubs were organized in the early era of sympathy tolerance and good feeling when the individual was appreciated at his true worth and before the advent of men whose bigotry has sown intolerance and discord and has made a mockery of both religion and professed ideals it must have been early in the sixties that alexander bell sold the southern end of his property to m heinsch the saddler on february twenty third eighteen sixty nine the directors of the san pedro railroad selected the mike madigan lot on alameda street on a part of which the owner was conducting a livery stable as the site for the depot in los angeles and heinsch having allowed the authorities to cut through his property the extension of commercial and rakina streets eastward from los angeles to alameda was hastened late on february fourteenth the news was circulated of a shocking tragedy in the billiard saloon of the lafayette hotel and at once aroused intense regret affecting as the affair did the standing and happiness of two well-known los angeles families about eight o'clock charles howard a young lawyer of prominence and a son of volney e howard met daniel b nichols son of the ex-mayor and some dispute between them having reached its climax both parties drew weapons and fired howard was killed and nichols wounded though not fatally as was first thought the tragedy the cause of which was never generally known made a profound impression the work of extending water mains along fort spring and other streets progressed steadily until the los angeles water company struck a snag which again demonstrated the city's dependence difficulty in coupling pipes called a halt and the management had to send all the way to san francisco for a complete set of plumbers tools in the spring tillotson emory and company a los angeles and san gabriel firm brought south the first steam separator seen here and took contracts to thrash the farmers grain on june third they started the machine and many persons went out to see it work among features pointed out were precautions against fire from the engine which the contractors declared made everything perfectly safe from its inception wilmington sought in one way or another to rival los angeles and in april they threw down the gauntlet a a polhemus a workshop engineer of the los angeles and san pedro railroad in 1887 a manufacturer of straw wrapping paper somewhere between here and wilmington had bought a velocipede and no sooner was it noised about than john goler set to work to eclipse the achievement about one o'clock therefore on april twenty fifth one of goler's apprentices suddenly appeared ready to make the first experiment the streets were soon crowded and interest was at fever heat the young fellow straddled the wheels moved about half a block and then at the junction of main and spring streets executed a first-class somersault 
immediately however the other intrepid ones tried their skill and the velocipede was voted a successful institution of our young and progressive city by the first week in may the velocipede craze had spread crowds congregating daily on main street to see the antics of the boys and soon h f lawrence announced the opening in stern's hall on may fourteenth of a velocipede school where free instruction would be given afternoons to ladies and evenings to men and to further stimulate interest lawrence announced a raffle on may fifteenth of a splendid velocipede by may twenty second j eastman had obtained permission of the common council to build a velocipede track on the historic old plaza but evidently he did not make use of the privilege for a newspaper writer was soon giving vent to the following sarcasm our city followers tried to make a little coin by leasing the plaza as a velocipede circle or square but so far the velocipedist has failed to connect i dare say the cost of cleaning up the place of weeds backed the poor soul out it happened in eighteen sixty nine that judson the financier and belshaw a practical miner began working their lead mines in cerro gordo in the owens river country and as the handling of the ore necessitated a great many wagons remy nadeau obtained the contract for the transportation of the ore brought down to wilmington and then shipped by boat to san francisco Remy had returned here about 1866 after having been in San Francisco for four or five years, and eventually he built the Nadeau Hotel at the corner of Spring and First Streets, where A. Bull, father of Frank A. Bull, had formerly kept a little grocery store in an adobe. This ore was loaded onto very large wagons, each drawn on level stretches by twelve or fourteen mules, but requiring as many as twenty or more mules when crossing the San Fernando Mountains, always regarded as one of the worst places on the route. In order not to return with empty wagons, Nadeau purchased supplies of every description, which he sold to people along the route, and in this way he obtained the best financial results. This was about the same time that Victor Beaudry, Prudent's brother, who came in 1855 to mine at San Gabriel, opened a store at Camp Independence in Yo County, and became a stockholder in the Cerro Gordo mines. In their early 80s, Beaudry was interested with his brother in local real estate movements. He died in Montreal in 1888. After a time, the mines yielded so much ore that Nadeau found himself short of transportation facilities, but with the assistance of Judson and Belshaw, as well as H. Newmark and Company, he was enabled to increase his capacity until he operated 32 teams. Los Angeles was then the southern terminus of his operations, although during the building of the numerous Southern Pacific tunnels, his headquarters were removed to San Fernando, and still later on the completion of the railroad to Mojave. Nadeau's assistant, Willard G. Halstead, son-in-law of H. K. W. Bent, handled most of the business when Nadeau was absent. A. E. Lott was foreman of teams and continually rode up and down the line of operations, while Thomas O'Brien was station agent at Cerro Gordo. The contract had been very profitable to Judson and Belshaw, yet when the agreement expired on January 1, 1872, they wished to renew it at a lower figure. Nadeau, believing that no one else could do the work satisfactorily, refused the new terms offered, whereupon Judson and Belshaw entered into an arrangement with William Osborne, a liveryman, who owned a few teams. The season of 1871-72 was by no means a good one, and barley was high, involving a great expense to Nadeau in feeding four or five hundred animals, and right there arose his chief difficulty. He was in debt to H. Newmark and Company, and therefore proposed that he should turn his outfit over to us, but as we had unlimited confidence both in his integrity and in his ability, we prevailed on him to keep and use his equipment to the best advantage. 
this suggestion was a fortunate one for just at this time large deposits of borax were discovered in the mountains at wordsworth nevada and nadeau commenced operations there with every promise of success in his work of hauling between cerro gordo and los angeles nadeau had always been very regular his teams with rare exceptions arriving and leaving on schedule time and even when occasionally a wagon did break down the pig lead would be unloaded without delay tossed to the side of the trail and left there for the next train a method that was perfectly safe since thieves never disturbed the property osborne on the other hand soon proved uncertain and unreliable his wagons frequently breaking down and causing other accidents and delays to protect themselves judson and belshaw were compelled to terminate their contract with him and reopen negotiations with nadeau but the latter rejected their advances unless they would buy a half interest in his undertaking and put up one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the construction and maintenance of the numerous stations that had become necessary for the proper development of his business nadeau also made it a condition that h newmark and company be paid the stations already constructed or proposed were mud springs lang's station mojave red rock Penament, indian wells little lake hiawaii meadows and cartago before these were built the teamsters camped in the open carrying with them the provisions necessary for man and beast cartago was on the south side of owens lake cerro gordo being on the north side eighteen miles opposite and between these points the miniature side-wheeler bessie of but twenty tons capacity operated an interesting fact or two in connection with owens lake may be recorded here its water was so impregnated with borax and soda that no animal life could be sustained in the winter the myriads of wild duck were worth talking about but after they had remained near the lake for but a few days they were absolutely unpalatable the teamsters and miners operating in the vicinity were in the habit of sousing their clothes in the lake for a few minutes and when dried the garments were found to be as clean as if they had passed through the most perfect laundry even a handful of the water applied to the hair would produce a magnificent lather and shampoo judson and belshaw were compelled to accept nadeau's terms and nadeau returned from nevada organized in eighteen seventy three the cerro gordo freighting company and operated more extensively than ever before until he withdrew perhaps five years after the completion of the southern pacific railroad and just before the petering out of the cerro gordo mines in their palmy days these deposits were the most extensive lead producers of california and while the output might not have been so remarkable in comparison with those of other lead mines in the world something like eighty-five to ninety bars each weighing about one hundred pounds were produced there daily most of this was shipped as i have said to san francisco and for a while at least from there to swansea wales nadeau at one time was engaged in the industry of raising sugar beets at the nadeau rancho near florence now nadeau station and then he attempted to refine sugar but it was bad at best and the more sugar one put in coffee the blacker the coffee became on april twenty fourth eighteen sixty nine under mayor joel turner's administration the los angeles board of education came into existence in the early sixties the city authorities promised to set out trees at the plaza providing neighboring property owners would fence in the place but even though governor downey supplied the fence no trees were planted and it was not until the spring of eighteen sixty nine that any grew on the public square this loud demand for trees was less for the sake of the usual benefits than to hide the ugliness of the old water tank on may ninth f g walter issued the first number of the los angeles chronic a german weekly journal that survived scarcely three months the tenth of may was another red-letter day for the pacific coast rejoicing as it did in the completion of the central pacific at promontory point in utah there with a silver hammer governor stanford drove the historic gold spike into a tie of polished california laurel thus consummating the vast work on the first transcontinental railroad 
this event recalls the fact that in the railway's construction chinese labor was extensively employed and that in eighteen sixty nine large numbers of the dead bodies of celestials were gathered up and shipped to sacramento for burial william j broderick after wandering in peru and chile came to los angeles in eighteen sixty nine and started as a stationer then he opened an insurance office and still later became interested in the main street railway and the water company on may eighth eighteen seventy seven broderick married miss laura e daughter of robert s carlyle on october eighteenth eighteen ninety eight broderick died having been identified with many important activities hacks and omnibuses first came into use in eighteen sixty nine toward the end of may that year j j reynolds who had been long popular as a driver between los angeles and wilmington purchased a hack and started in business for himself appealing to his reputation for good driving and reliability as a reasonable assurance that he would bring his patrons right side up to their scattered homes and so much was he in demand both in the city and its suburbs that a competitor j hewitt in the latter part of june ordered a similar hack to come by steamer it arrived in due time and was chronicled as a luxurious vehicle hewitt regularly took up his stand in the morning in front of the lafayette hotel and he also had an order slate at george butler's livery stable on main street during the sixties dr t h rose who had relinquished the practice of medicine for the career of a pedagogue commenced work as principal of the boys grammar school on bath street and in eighteen sixty nine was elected superintendent of city schools he held this office but about a year although he did not resign from educational work here until eighteen seventy three during his incumbency he was vice-principal of the first teachers institute ever held here contributing largely toward the founding of the first high school and the general development of the schools prior to the time when dr lucky the first really professional teacher assumed charge on leaving los angeles dr rose became principal of the school at heldsburg sonoma county where he married a mrs jewell the widow of an old-time wealthy miner but he was too sensitive and proud to live on her income and much against her wishes insisted on teaching to support himself in eighteen seventy four he took charge of the high school at petaluma where the family of mrs rose's first husband had lived and the relationship of the two families probably led to rose and his wife separating later dr rose went to the sandwich islands to teach but by eighteen eighty three shortly before he died he was back in los angeles broken in health and spirit dr rose was an excellent teacher a strict disciplinarian and a gentleman the retirement of dr rose caused him a couple of years during which los angeles had no city school superintendent while rose was principal a woman was in charge of the girls department and the relations between the schoolmaster and the schoolmistress were none too friendly when dr rose became superintendent the school ma'am instantly disapproved of the choice and rebelled and there being no law which authorized the governing of los angeles schools in any other manner than by the trustees the new superintendent had no authority over his female colleague the office of superintendent of city schools consequently remained vacant until eighteen seventy three dr james s crawford had the honor as far as i am aware of being one of the first regular dentists to locate in los angeles as an itinerant he had passed the winters of eighteen sixty three eighteen sixty four and eighteen sixty five in this city afterward going east and on his return to california in eighteen sixty nine he settled in the downy block at spring and main streets where he practiced until on april fourteenth nineteen twelve he died in a ventura county camp in eighteen sixty four the california legislature wishing to encourage the silk industry offered a bounty of two hundred and fifty dollars for every plantation of five thousand mulberry trees of two years growth and a bounty of three hundred dollars for each one hundred thousand salable cocoons and in three years an enormous number of mulberry trees in various stages of growth was registered prominent among silk growers was louis prevost 
who rather early had established here an extensive mulberry tree nursery and near it a large cocoonery for the rearing of silkworms and had planned in eighteen sixty nine the creation of a colony of silkworms whose products would rival even those of his native belle france the california silk center association of los angeles was soon formed and four thousand acres of the rancho once belonging to juan bandini fourteen hundred and sixty acres of the hartshorn tract and three thousand one hundred and sixty nine acres of jerupa on the east side of the santa ana river were purchased that was in june or july but on august sixteenth in the midst of a dry season louis provost died and the movement received a serious setback to add to the reverses the demand for silkworm eggs fell off amazingly while finally to give the enterprise its death blow the legislatures fearful that the state treasury would be depleted through the payment of bounties withdrew all state aid the silk center association therefore failed but the southern california colony association bought all the land paying for it something like three dollars and a half an acre to many persons the price was quite enough old louis robideau had long refused to list his portion for taxes and someone had described much of the acreage as so dry that even coyotes in crossing took along their canteens for safety a town called at first Yurupa and later riverside was laid out a fifty thousand dollar ditch diverted the santa ana river to a place where nature had failed to arrange for its flowing and in a few months a number of families had settled beside the artificial waterway riversiders long had to travel back and forth to los angeles for most of their supplies a stage still in existence being used by ordinary passengers and this made a friendly as well as profitable business relation with the older and larger town but experiments soon showing that oranges could grow in the arid soil riverside in the course of time had something to sell as well as to buy who was more familiar both to the youth of the town and to grown-ups than nicolas martinez in summer the purveyor of cooling ice cream in winter the vendor of hot tamales from morning till night month in and month out during the sixties and seventies martinez paced the streets his dark skin made still swarthier in contrast to his white costume a shirt scarcely tidy together with pantaloons none too symmetrical and hanging down in generous folds at the waist on his head in true native fashion he balanced in a small hooped tub what he had for sale he spoke with a pronounced latin accent and his favorite method of announcing his presence was to bawl out his wares the same receptacle resting upon a round board with an opening to ease the load and covered with a bunch of cloths served both to keep the tamales hot and the ice cream cool while to dispose the latter he carried in one hand a circular iron tray in which were holes to accommodate three or four glasses further for the convenience of the exacting youth of the town he added a spoon to each cream-filled glass and what stray speck of the ice was left on the spoon at the youngster had given in a parting lick nicolas bawling anew to attract the next customer fastidiously removed with his tobacco-stained fingers End of chapter twenty six